BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm crazy. Hey guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast with your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. Today's episode is very exciting, but we will get to that soon. First, we're going to do our little intro. These are, you know, my favorite parts of the week when I just sit down, I chat, catch up with you guys tell you the things I've been loving, things I haven't been loving, um, and all that. But before we get into that, I wanted to say, you guys, if you have not joined the Facebook group, you need to. We have, I think, like almost 10,000 people in the group, but it is so fun. We are constantly talking in there. Like, I feel like I've made friends in there, and I know so many of you guys have. So if you guys haven't joined the group, you guys absolutely need to. And then also, if you're looking to have, like, an I So Much marathon, we've got so many other podcast episodes that I've gone up recently that are bomb. Like the one that I did with Ali Williams, the If You Need Encouragement podcast. Oh my gosh, you guys need to go listen to that. If you are believing like lies about yourself or just so confused, if you feel just kind of like, you know when your mind just feels frazzled or you feel so held back or claustrophobic almost, like that podcast, that episode is for you. It is so good. Also, we had one with Gabri and Greg Kelly recently. Like, I actually never go back and talk about episodes, but you guys need to go listen. There are so many. If you guys like this episode, you will like all the other ones because that is typically how this works. Um, I, You might be asking, Kenzie, why are you in such a good mood? And you know what? You're probably not asking that, but I'm going to tell you, okay? I've had the best week of all of 2020. Dom, Dominique Roberts, my best friend, also podcast host with Dear Media Now, The Uncomfortable. Check it out. She came to visit. We had the absolute best time. We went to my lake house. Um, we came back to my house. Oh my gosh, guys. I also got hardwood floors put in my house, which I've talked about this so many times, but the upstairs feels brand new. It literally feels like I'm in a brand new house. And then today I did a deep, deep clean and decluttering of my closet situation. Like I gave away three trash bags of clothes to my sister and she is so lucky because it's like literally Revolve and Princess Polly and all of this stuff with like tags on it. So if she ever tries to like smart off or have any type of attitude with me ever again like I'm just gonna block her at this point because like I don't know what she wants from me you know what I mean but anyways we had literally the best time we went to my lake house like I said we came back to Dallas we did some stuff around Dallas that was super fun like obviously social distancing we have like outdoor patios and stuff that's been really fun there's a lot to do here that you can do while social distancing as well so that's been really cool oh my god guys speaking of I have become TikTok famous over the past like three days. Okay. I posted a TikTok of favorite places in Dallas, which honestly was originally an Instagram reel. I posted it to TikTok just to be whatever, 
didn't even think anything of it and all of a sudden my tiktoks are getting like hundreds of thousands of views and i'm just like so confused so yes it is me i'm the tiktok star soon there will be a dunkin donut drink and maybe i'll be on dancing with the stars is there a tiktoker on dancing with the stars right now that's actually i don't think that there is and that's a really big missed opportunity for dancing with the stars especially because it's a dancing thing and yeah i don't know anyways but if you guys haven't followed me on tiktok it's kenzie elizabeth hay um i do other things besides just dallas content but yeah check it out guys i feel like i'm just like feeling so good there's been a lot of growth going on i've been reading the change your brain change your life book by dr amen who is now my dream guest i will get him on this podcast it is the last thing i do it has changed my life just got a bunch of supplements in the mail i just am feeling really good and like really take care of myself in like every single aspect of life honestly i've actually fallen off a little bit on like my working out but you know we'll go back to that tomorrow um and it's just been so fun like it was so refreshing to just be with dom for the week and we both were really struggling before and we joked that texas cured us but like it kind of did if you think about it and all of a sudden i feel so much better i just i don't know i feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulder i feel like i can actually think straight again and i'm not in this weird like manic depressive episode like i I just feel like healthy again, which has been really good. I've been reading a lot and I don't want to just give you guys a bunch of book recs because I don't know how I'm going to like them yet. I've been back to reading a little bit of nonfiction. I've actually, it's weird. I'm such a person, like I'm such a one book at a time sort of gal. But then I started reading one nonfiction and one fiction book at a time, which I'm currently reading our podcast book club book, which is the comeback guys get it because you have two weeks until our episode is up where it's going to be Maddie from OK Sis and I with our book club which we're well it's my book club but she's my guest for the month with our book club so we're very excited um be sure to check out that book but anyways yeah I'm like reading a lot of different books I also finally got Kindle Unlimited which is just $10 a month and if it's a book on Kindle Unlimited you just get it for your subscription it's really actually an incredible thing so I don't know I'm feeling really good a lot of self-growth lots of books, lots of reading. Um, I want to share some things that I have been loving with you guys right now. Okay. TikTok, obviously we've already been through that. Decluttering my closet. Obviously we've already been through that. Liquid IV. Guys, this is not a, not a sponsorship. This is not a deal. They are not a sponsor of the I Love You So Much podcast, but they should be. So hit me up. Um, but I love liquid IV. It is such a small thing that has really transformed my life. Like, and I know this sounds really stupid. And I say this fully knowing that I sound like the person that's like, oh, drink water and it'll clean your skin. But I don't know how to describe it. I implemented a lot of small habits that I can make an entire episode on if you guys would like, but I implemented a lot of small habits to kind of help me mentally. And I was like, you know what? I'm not drinking enough water and it's actually extremely important. So I got liquid IV and this honestly wasn't even intentional. It just tasted so good that I was like, wait, I need this 24-7. And now I drink like four packs a day. And I don't even think you're supposed to drink that much, but I have been. I don't even drink coffee anymore because I drink so much water and I use their energy packets. Like, guys, it's crazy. I have, I think you can use code Kenzie Elizabeth for 25% off, but um, not sponsored, nothing at all. Just literally has changed my life. I am the biggest fan. Um, booch pop, but that's nothing new. You guys know that I love a good booch pop. You serve it over ice in a wine glass. You feel like you're having a nice wine glass at night, but really you're just having something that's like healthy and good for you. And it's not going to make your face puffy. 
fall fashion. I am really excited. I have the best job in the world. So I've been able to pick out some clothes for some upcoming deals. And I'm just so excited for fall. Like finally, guys, it's not burning hot up hot at all in Texas anymore. Like it's not even going to get to 90s this month at all. I keep checking the weather and I'm like over the moon. So happy that it is like getting cooler and it feels like fall. Like this is the time that I really thrive in. Um, and I'm really excited. I actually got, if you guys go on my Instagram or my like to know it profile, which if you guys ever want anything linked that I'm talking about or that um, specifically like clothing, a lot of home decor, books, all that, you guys need to download like to know it and follow me. It's just Kenzie Elizabeth, but I share all this stuff. Um, I found the perfect leather jacket. I'm staring at it across my room right now. So beautiful. And it has been on sale for $40 for the longest time. So it's definitely still on sale. $40. It's from Misguided. It is the perfect kind of oversized fit, the perfect amount of buckles and zippers and the, all of that. Like 10 out of 10 cannot recommend this jacket enough to you guys. It's just so bomb. Um, also randomly, I'm like really into ramen right now. I have never been a ramen girl. I really went through five years in LA without becoming like addicted to ramen. Cause that's such a big thing there. And yeah, no, I love ramen. I literally just got some delivered as a thank you to myself for decluttering my closet. Yeah, I know. It, it takes a lot over here to win myself over, you know, but it is so bomb. Like literally so good. Wabi House in Dallas is really good. If you guys want any more like restaurant recs and stuff, again, follow my TikTok. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been really good. Okay, moving on to things I've not been loving so much. I feel like I've had a lot of like relational anxiety and I... I believe that's a word I've been trying to do a lot of research on it to like understand it better but if you guys have an expert on or know an expert and by expert I don't mean someone who's like experienced this and dealt with it I mean someone who like has studied this and is an expert on it and can teach me I mean someone who has studied this and is an expert and can like teach us how to fix this I would definitely love to have someone like that on the podcast I've been researching a lot I actually found this woman who's a genius in um what is it really attachment patterns and I've been watching a lot of her stuff on YouTube and that's been good that's not the same thing but just totally side note anyways today's episode is very exciting you guys have heard me talk about La La Land probably in every single podcast episode at this point if you follow me if you watch the vlogs anything which by the way there have been like six new videos a week up on youtube.com slash Kinsey Elizabeth. You need to check them out. Um, they've been bomb lately. But anyways, if you guys follow me on anything, or if you've ever even heard this podcast before, you know that I love La La Land. It is my favorite place in Dallas, my favorite cafe. They have my favorite drink in the world, which is the Strawberry Fields. I Strawberry Fields with Oma, to be specific. It is the best matcha. It is so freaking good. But we have Francois Riani on, which I'm so excited. He is the founder of La La Land Cafe, the We Are One Project, and former founder of Bar Stella and Poke the Raw Bar. Normally, I would give you a little bit more background on him here, but we really dive deep into his story on this podcast, and I thought it was so interesting. I love what La La Land does for the community, specifically for foster care. I just think that they're incredible. I love them. If you guys are in Dallas, if you ever come to Dallas, go to La La Land. They have one. The one that I love. Well, I love both of them. They have the Greenville location and they have the Oakland location. And you can't go wrong, truly. So without further ado, let's get started with the episode. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you dying in this Texas heat? I, I can't do it. I don't think I'll ever get used to it. No, I will literally never get used to it. I've actually decided that from here on out, 
every single month of August, I will be renting a house in Montana or something because I hear it is beautiful and nice there. And there's even like thunderstorms, which I'm into. I can't do it. It's just absolutely miserable. Did you just move here also or were you not raised here? No, I was raised here. And then I lived in LA the past four and a half years and I lived in the Valley. So it's like same sort of thing. And then I just came back a few months ago. Got it. Yeah. I, I don't, I think it's worse than the Valley also because it's just humid. Yeah. But it's better for your skin. So it's like you take it, you know? Got it. I did not know that. All right. So do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. My name is Francois Rehani. I'm the founder of La La Land Kind Cafe. La La Land. As we know, guys, I think I've talked about La La Land on this podcast probably like 30,000 times. I was there this morning, yesterday, and I'll be there tomorrow. So, you know. Um, okay. Do you quickly want to, let's just, let's get into hot seat. Okay. What is your best purchase under $100 that you've made in the past six months? Yeah, I use Audible instead of actually reading books because I can just pop in a headphone and listen throughout my day. But I bought a book called The Power of Now. And I think it really just kind of recenters your mind to be appreciative of right now and being in the moment. But it's an awesome book and it's pretty cheap. I love that. I love Audible too. It makes life so much easier. Okay, let's do a little background on you. I know you've kind of kind of popped around everywhere and you've lived in a few places, but I feel like you were such an entrepreneur at heart. And so I need to hear a little bit of your background. Like, where were you raised? What was your family life like? Awesome. Yeah, I was I was born in California, but I was like only a couple months old when we moved to Mexico. So I was really raised in Rosarito, Mexico up until I was 12. But obviously, you know, being in Mexico, people are very, very friendly and family oriented. And my, my family's Persian. So they're also the same way. So it was a good little mix of cultures. But, you know, while I was raised in Mexico and then moving to the United States when I was 12, obviously it was a very big cultural shift. But I think getting both worlds was awesome to grow up in. So after I was 12, we went back to California. And, I mean, I guess I've always been doing weird, crazy stuff in business, whether it was, you know, starting a little ocean company in, like, middle school or selling, like, speakers that dance on Amazon or whatever it was since I was a little kid. So it's always been kind of there. My dad was the same way. My dad did a couple of different things. He was a clothing manufacturer and did, you know, motorcycle sales and random stuff. Well, so I guess I, I kind of grew up with it in mind, but uh, I ended up at USC where I was studying real estate. I thought that's what I was going to do. And, you know, I was doing a bunch of different real estate jobs trying to really learn about the industry and how I could get better. And my family just really, really did not like California. Once we moved back, they, they were very used to a, a Mexican kind of kind culture. And going back to California, well, specifically living in LA was, was kind of a shock. They wanted to, my, my dad and my mom were especially, you know, they loved talking to the neighbors and having good friends that live nearby and just kind of good people. So while I was in school, they were really contemplating moving. And I had a friend that had just moved to LA from Dallas who kept telling me about how she had the best time there. The people are the best. So, you know, one day I was randomly sitting in the middle of class, bored, of course. And I just looked up flights to Dallas randomly. And they were super cheap that day, I guess. They were like 150 bucks. So, you know, I randomly booked two flights for me and my dad. And we came out here. He automatically fell in love with it. 
And at that time, I was a senior at USC. And so we made the decision they were going to move, which was a pretty sudden and random decision. And my mom, you know, she's a Persian mom. She doesn't understand. She doesn't understand how, like, college credits work. And so they were moving. And my mom kept telling me, I'm not going uh, unless you come. And the lease was already signed and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there trying to explain to my mom how I'm a senior at USC. And if I transfer, first of all, I'm kind of doing a, a small bit of a downgrade in terms of schools. But I also have to restart basically two years because they'll only take a certain amount of units. You're back to being a sophomore. But, you know, she, she doesn't, you know, also keep saying, oh, I'm not going unless you come. So, you know, it, it was a pretty crazy decision at that time to, to, to make the switch from USC to SMU. And I did it. I just ended up saying, you know, screw it. I'll, I'll go for the experience. And my parents just really want to get out of here. So I ended up at SMU, which I guess the, the lesson out of that is always trust your mom because that ended up being one of the best decisions that I ever made. Uh, when I came to SMU and coming to Dallas, I think my mind started going into a hundred different areas because I saw how much potential there was such a great city so many people and I felt like it was lacking a lot of things that that you see kind of growing up in California and then obviously Mexico gave me a kind of different perspective but I started school here and right when I had moved I started thinking about different things that I could do and I guess you know one of the main things was that the, the food to me when I got here just wasn't that good especially in terms of if you want to eat something healthy, it just wasn't, there wasn't a real route for it. So I kind of started diving into that. And I had, I had just gotten back from visiting my friends in California where I had some really good pokey. So I came here, my friend came back with me. He was actually visiting Dallas and he was like, Hey, let's go grab pokey. So I went on Yelp, read like searched pokey and there wasn't one place. And to me, like in that moment, I was like, Oh my God, that's exactly what I need to do. So I had no hospitality experience at all, never worked in any sort of restaurant. I uh, had set my mind that I, I have to open this, this place because I knew, you know, Dallas needed it. So at that time, I kind of went on, on a deep dive into researching ha- how I can make this happen, what I need to learn, who's the best at, at doing this and what, what are they doing well? And then who's the worst and what are they doing wrong? And just trying to dive as deep into how much I can learn as possible. and Really, it was telling myself that no matter what, it, w- it was going to happen. So I-, I had jumped into it as if, like, there's I'm opening a restaurant, not, oh, if, if it happens, this or that. It was more of a straight point. And so, you know, I crafted a, a concept in my mind and on my computer, you know, whether it's the brand, the name, this, that. My friend, who at that time was also at SMU, I asked him if he wanted to do it with me, and he automatically was on board. So we started on, on this journey kind of together and his family was willing to invest in the concept. So, you know, from then on it was real. And then we had found a, luckily we, we were out eating one time. We found a chef who was working at Nobu who was very passionate, literally in the middle of his shift. I walked up to him and said, Hey, how much do you make? We, we want to steal you basically. And from that point on, we, we became very, very close friends. We met him at a Starbucks the next day to try to, you know, push him on this dream. I mean, keep in mind, right, this is two 20-year-olds pitching a, a seasoned Nobu chef to, to come on board with us. 
And at that same time, we had found a space in West Village that was literally the best space we could ever imagine. And we had met with the, with the ownership there. They were, they were a little bit iffy because obviously when you have two young kids coming in with no real experience, they're not going to take you too seriously. But the moment that we locked in our chef, it became very real and it became a lot more legitimized. And basically, so we went back to the landlord, like pitching, doing whatever we can to get the space. And the girl at the front desk who came to open the space for us, like literally looked, I'll never forget this moment because it was kind of one of those defining moments where she looked at us and said, and laughed and was like, I, I have no idea what you're doing here. We have eight other offers on the table. This is going to be impossible. Like she was pissed that we're wasting her time. So, you know, even after that moment, we got very, it was kind of like a slap in the face. We got even more serious, updated all our presentations, put all of our packages together and asked for one more meeting. And we went in there and, and tried to blow their socks off. Luckily at West Village, there are two amazing men, Robert Bagwell and David Levine, who kind of saw the vision and were willing to take a, a risk on two kids who had no idea what they were doing. So that, that moment when, when all that came together, we had our chef, we had the space, we were ready to go. I don't think we could have ever, even though we were very, very optimistic, we could have never imagined that opening phase. It, it was just such an awesome blessing. You know, a line being out the door for your first couple months, literally nonstop. Uh, for your first restaurant, you, you couldn't ask for anything better. So that, that was kind of the, the beginning. I'm sorry if that was a bit too long. That's a bit of a long story. All right, guys, really quickly, I just wanted to talk to you guys about Function of Beauty. So something I share in my vlogs all the time is my favorite hair product, which is actually my hair serum from Function of Beauty. And you may be wondering why it works so perfectly on my hair. Well, I will tell you. So one size that fits all may work for like accessories, but when it comes to your hair, we all need something a little bit different to help us look our best, right? So what if your hair care was as unique as you are? Function of Beauty is hair care that is formulated specifically for you. No matter your hair type, they create shampoo, conditioner, and treatments to fit your unique needs. How unique, you ask? Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure your formula is as unique as you are. So here's how it works. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz and tell them a little bit about your hair. Next, Function of Beauty's teams determine the right blend of ingredients, then bottle your custom formula to order. Then they deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance, and they even print your name on it. So I love it. I always get eucalyptus, and I don't get any dye. It's like the white because it's just, you know, it's kind of like my vibe. Their formulas are also vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. Function of Beauty is not just the first ever custom hair care brand. It is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. I'm sitting on my bed recording this ad right now with wet hair because I just took a shower and I used all Function of Beauty products, guys. I'm a little bit crazy about hair care because just a lot of products I find that everyone else loves does not work on my hair. So Function of Beauty is amazing because it's made specifically for me. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com slash I love you to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash I love you for 20% off and let them know that you heard about it from our show. Again, that is just functionofbeauty.com slash I love you. All right, let's get back to the episode. You talk a lot about um, just doing something now as a millennial when you have an idea actually going 
actually like going through with the idea when you are going through you talk about making representations and making those connections and things like that like what is the first what's the first step once you actually have an idea like what is your what's the next thing you go do yeah that's a great question the the main thing is that you have to make it real right like you have to get on your computer you have to make up your mind that you're going on this mission start creating your logo make your name look for what you need to do what's the next step what leads do i need to get what are the people in this field that are doing this right how did they get to where they are and start deeply researching them and i mean the best of the best right you want to model yourself after people the people that are, who, who are already doing it well and most of the times their footsteps and the steps they took were the right ones so and i'll, I'll tell you the the main difference is so many young people so many i mean i hear them all the time have great great ideas the problem is they're scared to take those steps or they get demotivated because it's scary right because let's say you want to do a restaurant or some sort of clothing man whatever it is when you're in college or in high school or whatever it is you just came out of college you just got a job that step is scary because now you have to take a risk to where okay i might fail but then what happens is let's say you come out of college and get a job right and now you're in the corporate field now you're making money now you're stable it becomes even harder to take that risk later right so now imagine you're 30 40 now you have a family there's no way you're ever going to take that risk so i mean my best advice to anyone that's young and thinking about doing something is do it now you have to do it now and when the idea comes up in your mind and you know it's a solid and good idea, you have to go at it with full, full force. In that moment, you have to tell yourself you're doing it and you have to push towards the end. Even if you fail, I guarantee you later on in your life, you, you will applaud yourself for trying and you'll know that, hey, I tried. You're not going to feel like shit for years and years about never going out there and putting it out there, right? I can't even tell you the amount of phone calls that, and people that tell me, hey, I have this idea. I really want to do it. And it, it's a great idea. 90% of the time, that, that would probably work. And it never comes through just because for millennials to take, to take that step, I guess, is, is a big one. And they're not committing their minds to it fully. They're not throwing those, themselves at the challenge. And that, that's really what needs to happen. That is such a good point. This is the best time to fail. Because you don't have a family, most likely, that you're taking care of. It's really just you as an individual and you you have less responsibilities at that point you were going about and just kind of networking and meeting people do you feel like you mainly just specifically for the dallas scene made connections in college or was it outside no it wasn't in college at all actually i, I was uh even in college most of the college has been work for me i've never really dove into the college scene um in terms of actual connections you know, SMU didn't really have much in restaurants, right? So it wasn't a big help for me. And then, yeah, I mean, socializing outside of school to me was the most important. In, in my field, it was meeting people who were doing what I was doing, who might have had some good advice or bad advice that I could listen to and learn from. Okay, let's talk, go from the pokey place on. So after that, and that's such a hit and so successful, where are you going from there? I have big dreams, I would say. And I guess right after opening that store, you know, to me, it was like, I always ask myself, like, what's my end goal? And the day that I'm dying and I'm looking back at my life, what was my purpose? What did I do? Right. 
And at that time, and to be very quite frank and honest, my whole life I've been thinking, I need to get rich, right? I mean, you're growing up as a guy, you want to make a lot of money, you want to have nice cars, a nice house, whatever. Great, fantastic. And I think one of the, one of the things I'm most greatest for is having that pokey experience so young. Because right when that opened and, you know, money was coming in, we were, we were doing very, very well. I wasn't any happier at all at all and so it, it was a slap in my face for me in that moment to where i was like what am i doing and then if i was old right now and dying and i said let me look back at my life what did i do serve raw fish right like was that my purpose out of my life Sur- serve raw fish come home have a nice car and then die right like like what 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 does that mean for me so i started really 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 trying to get involved Growing up in Mexico and just having my parents be a, a very supportive family that always wanted to help, I guess that, that was kind of coming back into me. Because look, as human beings, whether it's selfish or not, we feel best when we're doing good for other people and giving back, right? That's, that's just a fact. So for me at that point, I was kind of like, I was being more down than I usually am because I guess that was just a weird fact for me to to find out that, hey, even when money's coming in now, I'm not happy at all. We're just working and, and going about our lives. So I started figuring out, hey, like, how can I actually make use of my life? And that kind of goes into the Lawland story if you want me to get started on that. Yes, please do. Yeah. So at that time, um, I, had, I had sold my shares. I had exited the company. I was kind of looking for a purpose. And I had actually, sorry, that's incorrect. Let me back up a little bit. While I was still at Poke, I had a friend, my sister's friend had came in to eat one day and she started telling me about Dallas Casa. And she started telling me about how amazing the, the mission is and what they're doing. And they're helping kids that are currently in foster care. And so she, she signed me up for a meeting. She's like, you have to go. And Casa has different meetings every month. I guess their, their topics change. They're awesome. They create awareness for different aspects of foster care. And the meeting that I had, I had been signed up for specifically for that month had to do with kids that were aging out of foster care. So I went to the meeting. Sorry, I'm losing my voice here. I went to the meeting and there were three kids who, who were there to speak about their story. And before we had really even dove into the meeting, the kids went up to, to talk. The first girl went up, said her story. By the end of the story, I literally thought I just heard a horror movie. And, and you know, I, I was in complete shock. I couldn't believe what I just heard. This is an 18-year-old girl. Okay, next. Next girl goes up. Worse story than the first one. So now I'm like, what in the world is going on? And the, the third guy goes up. Same thing, just as bad or worse as the past two. And I'm sitting here thinking, what in the world is happening? So the next thing that happens is the, the cost of advocates go up and they start telling the statistics on how much this is happening to the entire population of foster youth, right? You're talking about only 3% graduate from college, over half of the women arrested for prostitution are, are out of foster care. Over half of the males are, are incarcerated by the time they're 23. I mean, you're talking insane statistics, right? And I'm sitting there like, how the hell have I never heard of this? None of my friends or family know. No one I know knows. This is like a hidden problem. No, no one has any idea what's happening. 
And the worst part is that it's happening to our, our most vulnerable uh, group in the, our entire country, right? You're talking about kids, kids who have grown up alone, grown up with no family, living in 10 or 15 different foster homes, which by the way, half the time those foster homes are only in it for the money, feeling completely alone. And our gift to them as a country, when they turn 18, we say, happy birthday, you're homeless. You're out on the street. It, it, good luck. That's basically what we do. So for me in that meeting, I left there and I literally went home, pulled out my computer and went into a deep, dark hole for the next two or three weeks on how bad the problem is. And the more I researched, the worse it got. So I went on this like full on rant of admission. I started setting up meetings with all these different nonprofits in the city, learning about what's happening, talking to youth, hearing more stories figuring out what we can create that can help. And the more you dive into it, you keep diving in and it really gets worse and worse and worse from, from the bottom up. So I became extremely passionate about trying to do something to help. And at that time, I, I was a poke. I decided to sell all my shares, get out of it, and, and start my nonprofit, which is called the We Are One Project. So at that time, in my mind, you know, I was doing a bar, which was a fun project for me while I was doing my nonprofit. And then my bar at that same time was becoming too big of a headache for me to really focus. So I sold that too. And the moment I sold that, I, I told myself, I'm never doing hospitality again. I'm solely focusing on the, on the We Are One project of my life. And so we dove in. I worked on it for about, you know, 12 months. And I had really, really good mentors and people who were in the system, lots of experience kind of guiding me because obviously I was passionate, but I knew nothing about it, right? I have no experience in it. So I tried to get people who really knew and understood that, that could teach me and guide me. But 12 months into it, I like to be very honest with myself. I don't like to sugarcoat anything. I'm very, I'm probably harsher on myself than, than anyone else. And bluntly, it was just not working. And I was really angry about it. We were, we were trying to my main goal was to take a youth who was struggling and make them fully independent and happy. And the way I wanted to do that was my idea was, okay, let's cover every base. Let's help with employment, housing placement, mentorship, and therapy. Basically, it was, it was failing almost every time because our youth couldn't get or maintain jobs, right? And if you can't get or maintain a job, you can't be an independent adult, right? You can't afford to sustain yourself. You're not growing in a career. So everything was basically crumbling based upon that fact. And so for me at that time, I told myself, okay, well, maybe this is my sign where I can truly combine both of the things that I love. And now I'm truly going to have a passion going into work, right? Because I always loved how hospitality and serving people but it was just never enough, right? I didn't get a real sense of purpose for my life out of doing it. So this was like the best case scenario for me. So we went on this mission to create La La Land. The, the name came from, you know, I wanted to create a place where someone walked in and literally felt like they were in a dream world, right? And, and to me, a dream world is, is not only the design and the yellow and how you feel when you walk in in terms of that aspect, but it's more of a place where Every person is just generally kind and loving for each other. Doesn't matter what your race is, doesn't matter what your religion is, doesn't matter where you come from. People are just 
genuinely like, hey, we're all human beings. We're all related in some sort of way. And we all love each other. And that's what we want to create out of this space. And then obviously, of course, a place where our, our youth could feel very comfortable, right? The, the concept of La La Land was, was first the question of what can we create where it'll be awesome, cool, growing jobs for our youth? It was never, oh, let's open a coffee shop and then let's hire youth, right? It was more like, what's the perfect business model for them? And the reason why coffee was chosen, a couple of reasons. Number one, being a barista is now cool. It was a job that youth would really want to, to get and then grow in. True. It's also, baristas are now making more money, right? So it's, it's a job that can actually sustain your life. And then third, it was, it was a place where we could create an atmosphere where it was genuinely kind and our team could get to know regular customers, see the same faces, build relationships, and feel that sense of warmth that, that you would in a really cool coffee shop, right? So coffee was, was basically the perfect route for us. And we thought, you know, we opened, we thought we had a, per well, I thought I could build a perfect program or at least nearly perfect. I was very, very optimistic. I wanted to really solve the entire, you know, youth aging out problem with this concept. And, you know, it, it was a year of a lot of learning for us. We started off with hiring seven youth at, at, a, at one time. And it, it ended up being maybe too much at once. We just couldn't give enough attention to each youth. And, you know, through, through that process, you learn, hey, what should we, we be giving? What shouldn't we? How can we structure this in the right way? How long is the program? When do they, you know, how do we motivate them to get to the next level? So for us, it was, it was a big year of learning. And thankfully, you know, from the very first day, Dallas has just been such an amazing city to, to come in and support what we're doing. And also, you know, for us as a company, it was awesome to see that we're creating some sort of awareness around the problem, right? That was the problem that I had first realized that no one understands what's happening. And at least if we get people to understand what's happening, then maybe people will step up and say, oh, what? All these kids don't get adopted and they age out? Okay, maybe we can adopt a, a child. And, and honestly, that's really the biggest and most uh, impactful thing you can do, right? But for us as a, con as a concept, Kenzie, even though it's, it's awesome to get all of this love and, and sometimes it's attention for doing what we do, but at the same time, I don't think that we should be glorified for doing what we do. The only reason that we do get glorified right now is because it's new and it's not common for businesses to be doing what we're doing. But if you bring it back to the simple fact that we're a business that is hiring foster youth and just presenting a place that loves for them and cares about them, why is that amazing? I think our country is getting to, has gone to such a point where people just don't care about each other that now that we're doing something that is good for each other and we're actually caring about our community. It's so out of the box, right? So for us, the company, it's, it's really a goal that in, we create this new business model. And in five or 10 years from now, when businesses are automatically doing awesome things that give back to the community, whether it's hiring youth or hiring veterans or helping, you know, kids with cancer or, or helping whatever it is, it could literally be anything planting trees. That, that becomes a standard. That's, that's how it should be. You come in, Kenzie, every single day. Every single day you buy a strawberry field. Thank you for that. You made that drink famous, by the way. <laughs> but Thank when you, you're yeah. doing that, 
you're supporting us, correct? You're supporting our business. Why yeah. are we not expected to support you and your community back? It should be the absolute standard uh, of, of everyday life. And I hope that us as a company are, are proving that in some way as we grow. It's unfortunate how just our country or just people in general, it's hard to get them to care about each other. I was actually at Lawlman this morning on the Greenville location. Shocker, I know. And I was talking to someone and I was just like, you know, 2020, honestly, I think just in the past few months, what I've realized and what I think is the the biggest hit and the, the biggest way that we are missing out just as a country specifically is just not by caring about each other. It's like, you think about even just wearing a mask and then people are fighting over that or whatever, where in other countries people will, uh, it was no problem because they're very quickly wanting to help each other out. And that's not to generalize everyone. And obviously there are people who are doing like such amazing, great things, but also I do think there are so many people who want to help in just like you said, just didn't know that this was a problem. I only knew really anything about foster care because I have a really close friend who was in foster care. And that's only, that's really the only reason why I knew. So it's things like this that are so important. And then you see time and time again, it's very easy. Like one, La La Land, like the coffee, the drinks, everything is actually just really good anyways on top of all of that. But it creates more of a loyalty because people want to help and people want to get involved. And like you said, like your team, everyone is so nice. They're so personable, so fun. Like it's a really great experience overall, but you can tell it's made by the people who are working by the baristas who are just like happy to be there. And also it's just knowing like their, some of their stories, it's just like, it's such almost like a miracle for them, especially when you see people who are just trying in other ways, but not really giving them something that's sustainable or as sustainable as a job and the relationships they make at that job. Like you never know what that will even lead to. So when you first, okay, so you wanted to like obviously get involved in foster care and then you realized that La La Land was like the best kind of way to do that or you thought it would be at the time. How did you decide on the location from there and then decide on when you're opening and then also question like how did you get connected with all the foster care kids to hire was that through Dallas Casa yeah so okay two good questions the first one uh location wise I knew I, I had to create something truly special right and the moment that I saw a house was for lease in a commercial zoned area I can't tell you how bad the house looked I can actually find a picture and send it to you later it was, it literally looked like trash to a normal human being. And I saw it as literally a heaven. And the moment I saw it, I knew that that was, that that was the place. Not only do I love lower Greenville and the people in the area, people are just so generally kind and loving, but I knew that it's the best that, area. Yeah. The atmosphere that we could create in a house of you walking in and that experience of truly feeling like you're kind of in a heaven world would be very different than doing anything else. So that's how that was, that was chosen. And then in terms of how we got connected to hiring you, the moment this concept even came about, we really started going out there, partnering with different nonprofits. Right now, that, that list is expanding as well. You know, even after we opened, we met even more nonprofits that, that found out about, about us and reached out. But we work with, right now, we mainly work with Dallas Track. And then we also work with houses that are dedicated to to house youth, right? So one is called Ebby House that we just started working with. They're awesome. 
They, they take in uh, girls who have aged out of the system. And they also, for example, they do so much now. And they've been such an awesome partner because they're really taking care of the girls in their house and making sure that their girls are, are really getting their life together and becoming stable. And we can partner with them and, and be in communication to make sure that, hey, the youth is coming in on time. Everything's going well at home and at work, right? So, look, st- stuff evolves, and it's been evolving. I still don't think we're anywhere near perfect. We're, we're changing every week, every, every day, every month, whatever it is. And, you know, for us, not every youth has been a success, of course. We're trying to figure out how to get our success rate higher, how we can make more of an impact. And then on a larger scale, how we can create a program that doesn't just bring in youth that necessarily want to work in a coffee shop, right? Other youth have different dreams. How, how can we help them achieve those? What has been your biggest lesson in leading just foster youth or any of them that have aged out of the system? I don't want to, I, I have to phrase this correctly because sometimes when you're trying to do too much, you're not helping someone, right? Um, th- these are yeah. youth who are just turning 18 or whatever it is. They're obviously still kids. And when you as a team or management or whatever it is are now trying to cover too many bases, that, that kid isn't growing, right? They're not becoming self-sufficient. And then honestly, the, the worst lesson that I learned that it still kills me is that I can't help every single youth, right? The problem is, is that this is the biggest lesson for sure. I learned that, that all that trauma, when you go through all that trauma, for 18 years of your life, if that was me, I would probably not be able to get any help either. And some people have just gone through so, so much. This is your child that you're going through. And you, you got to a point where that's all you know. And it's so, so hard to even get any help. And where does the help take you, right? And I'm not talking about us in terms of La La Land. Forget us a youth who has went through sufficient amount of trauma by the time they turn 18, as much professional help as you get them. It's just, you know, it's so, so sad to see. And and that's why we need to get more families that are willing to adopt and and get out there and taking a kid to a forever home. Because once you turn 18, Kenzie, you're kind of trying to put band-aids, right? No one wants to go through their life alone and age out of the system and become homeless. Right. Everyone needs some sort of a family. So so hopefully people start to realize that and realize that, hey, if I adopt someone, I'm I am literally saving a life because it, it, it truly is. No, it 100 percent is. It's just it's something I really respect. I'm also like really involved with my church. And so things like this, because fostering is so tied, unfortunately, to sex trafficking and those statistics are extremely high. These are also things that I just hear all the time and just knowing families that have actually taken people in, I think is just one of the most, I don't know. I think it's just one of the most incredible things. Okay. Let's talk about the Oakland location. First off, very cute. Love that place. Um, how did you decide that that was the next location that you wanted to do? Yeah. So basically the model that we're thinking of expanding right now is in each city and hopefully we'll reach some more cities soon. We would have one main training ground for our youth. And then we would have outlet stores that can not only produce funds that give back to our program, because I like to be privately funded. I don't want to go out, go out and ask people for donations. I don't want to go out to the government and ask for grants. 
I want our business to make enough money to be sustainable enough to not only profit, but also give back to our program. That, that's the model that we're trying to prove, right? So Oaklawn being, first of all, a really, really awesome area, sort of like Lower Greenville. We love the neighborhood. We love the people. And we knew that it would be high, high volume. And hey, guess what? If we do more sales, we can make more money that, that ends up also going back to our, our program we, that we can do more with. So all in all, it just made a lot of sense. And we felt that the community and the people of that community were right for us. It's really cool. It's my boyfriend's favorite. I love Green. I love Lower Greenville because it's my favorite area of Dallas. But also, I love the house. But Oaklawn, for those of you guys who don't know, that location is more... I would compare that more to like a West Hollywood location if you're comparing it to LA. And then the Lower Greenville one is more of like Studio City kind of valley-ish. But I love both. Okay, let's talk about you as a Dallas entrepreneur. When I grew up here, I mean, Dallas has changed so much in the past five years. Like what you were saying when you were at SMU and talking about all of that when you moved here and just saying how it was missing out on um, the food scene, especially mainly in like the healthy food scene and just so many things. It's really popped off in the recent years and I only see it getting even better. And I just absolutely love the city and everything. And, you know, Texas forever. I'm one of those people. But I think especially just in the like entrepreneur kind of space it's been really cool I've been realizing so many brands and people that I love are actually which I knew they were out of Texas but a lot of them are out of Dallas now so anyways I just want to hear your like day-to-day routine I'm sure it changes daily as it does for like most people who are entrepreneurs but get as detailed as possible like do you have a specific morning routine? Do you have a specific podcast that you love, like books, anything like that? And what is kind of just your daily schedule? Yeah. So I wake up normally around 5.45 or 6. And the first thing I, I do is I have like a, a sort of a mood light. It's like a soft yellowish light that I turn on. And I sit there and just think about my day for five minutes. The next 20 or 30 minutes for me is I literally pretend in my mind like I just came back from vacation it's funny because you know obviously when you're trying to open stores you're not you don't get vacation time much right we haven't taken a day off in probably over a year so I like to sit down and pretend like I literally was just in Hawaii for seven days got back and I'll really really tell myself that like you have to sell it to yourself to kind of feel refreshed right because if you keep doing 12, 14, 16 hour days and keep going home and thinking like, if you think to yourself, oh, I'm working so much, I'm stressed, I don't have a break, your body feels it. But if you sit there and really tell yourself, oh, I'm relaxed, I just went on vacation, I'm ready for today, it really, really makes a huge, huge difference. And then, you know, depending on the day, if I have time, I usually listen to Audible for 30, 45 minutes at a max. I do 25 pull-ups just to get my body uh, blood flowing. I hop in the shower. I go to work and I drink a big cold brew or I do a quad shot to, to get my day going and wake up. But that's, that's usually the, the morning routine. The rest of the day is never, ever uh, feasible to be scheduled. I, I just got an iPad that basically has uh, my calendar, every routine, my alarms, everything scheduled on there to kind of organize my life a, a bit better. So that before I leave the house, I pop it out, I look at it, I have my meditation on there and, and the day is set up for me. But the, the rest is, is scattered. For your calendar, do you use Google Calendar? Yeah, that, that's the easiest way for me, for sure. 
Do you have any other specific apps on your iPad that you think are worth mentioning? Audible for sure. And then I have to, I have a meditation app on there. I have to let you know, I don't have my iPad on me right now. It's really good though. That one is the one that everyone is like so obsessed with. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I am the biggest fan of La La Land. Guys, strawberry, I strawberry fields with oat milk. It's the best order. Actually, what do you get? No, literally, I cannot describe to you. Every time I go in, I meet someone who is there ordering the drink. And like, there's been multiple times where I'll meet like six or seven people there. I'm like, this is just a party, but we're also in the middle of a pandemic. So like, we have to, you know, distance. (laughs) Okay, but let me let me just tell you. Okay, number one, my favorite drink is Lavender Bloom. But you have actually made the, the strawberry fields famous. And literally one day I sat down going over our monthly numbers and I was like, what in the world is going on? Strawberry Fields is top three. Like it's never even been top 10. So then I started seeing you posting them. And now from then till now, it's literally become like top two drinks. And every time I'm in the store, there's people ordering it. And it's literally all because of you. Because before this, it wasn't a popular drink at all. Wow. I'm honestly like, that is incredible. But also I started like I mean okay here's the thing obviously I'm like a quote-unquote influencer so it's one thing to get you know people who follow me to like go buy things that I talk about because that's normal but it's another thing when every single person in like my day-to-day life is also equally obsessed with them like I've had so many like Dallas friends of who are like like Nasia Lucan actually went in the Olympian and she loved it. But then that's when I get nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, please, like, I need them to love it because I like, you know, talk about it like 24 seven, like my boyfriend, my step siblings, my family, like everyone is obsessed with it, but it's just so freaking good. So I'm glad, um, maybe I'll decide to like do another drink soon, but I think I'm just gonna have to stick with strawberry fields. Cause I like wake up and I'm just like, you know, I just need one today. So Thank you so much. We, we appreciate you. We love you a lot. Of course, of course. Okay, so where can they find you? Um, just shout yourself out. Yeah, they can find us on Lower Greenville, uh, right behind Trader Joe's, and now on Oak Lawn, right across from Eat Seeds. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Kenzie. We appreciate you. Have a great day. Anyways, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, please feel free to leave a nice review. Subscribe only if they are nice, okay? Love you guys so much, and I'll talk to you soon.